Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. On this episode, you can hear my chat with Lewis Buchanan. Lewis has an extremely popular YouTube channel and has been a racer in multiple disciplines of mountain biking over the years. We talk about his early days racing, uh, team deals, rider pay, what sponsorship deals look like and what they used to look like. And we come right up to date with his recent deal with OnlyFans. So those of you in the mountain bike world who know about that deal and may have an opinion on it, I will say this, I'm not a professional interviewer. Uh, so there was no hardballing and no softballing. It's not actually why I got him on, but we got to it anyway. I will say this, I think Lewis was frank and honest, and it was a really interesting conversation. Anyway, I enjoyed hearing all about it, and I enjoyed catching up with him about his early career, uh, how he worked through from downhill to enduro, to putting together his own deal, and how that's affecting his life right now, and how he puts out his content. So, here we go, Lewis Buchanan. Tap your mic again. And that's that's pretty much it. Recording now, so cool. just just, just uh, yeah, don't worry. I'll, I'll edit it out. I, I don't do I, I don't do this. Um, I'm here with Lewis Buchanan, bicycle yeah, rider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Introduce yourself, Lewis. You know. Yeah. So I'm just hoping that people that that, that um, listen to it are already aware of it. And if they're not, then the story, you know, learn, then yeah. keep listening because the yeah. story will unfold. Yeah. What's kind of weird is is this is right up to now. Mm-hmm. This is how we're meeting today, and mm-hmm. the first time we actually met was in my front room. Mm-hmm. Somewhere else. Uh-huh. Can you remember why that was? Somewhere in, near Glasgow. Can you remember why it was? For a custom helmet. It was, yeah, yeah. yeah. A long time. I can't 100% honestly remember how old I was. Um, I want to say like 9 or 10. No, I don't think so. So 10, 11? I'm going to say older. Really? I'm going to say th- 13. 12, so can you remember 13. who you were riding for at the time? I remember because it's a single sort of moment in my sort of my burgeoning sort of sponsorship life. So I remember all those riders back there. Uh, uh, la- was it last bike? It was last bike. Yeah. Right. I think I was 13. Yeah, I, or 13. I'd say, th- I'd say 13. Because mm. it was a wee while before you went up into the, the juniors after that. Yeah, I do remember back then I was speaking to my dad about it um, and how I was just, oh, I was a kid, right? But I was so shy. And I, I just remember, like, I felt like my, at the time my dad did all the talking almost for me I'd agree with that <laughs> because I couldn't look after myself clearly and I didn't know how to negotiate or talk to people that I felt like were more established in like better knowledge than me and I didn't know you know how to really approach that situation I do remember parts of it I remember sitting there and like <laughs> you know it, it, it was quite a blur if I'm completely honest I I, I remember it really well because because again it's a, it's just a it's, um, with, with all those riders back there, and there was a few of them over those co- couple of years who are well established now. Mm-hmm. Is that so? I, so I remember them because I I was a little um, a little segue in part of their life, but that was quite big for me at the time for what I was doing, like giving these things out. And um, the thing I remember about you is sat down on the sofa and I brought the I brought the um, the helmet in, mm. and you were like, "Oh my god!" And your dad, your dad's like, "Oh god, look at this! That's amazing!" Like you know, and um, he was more excited than you most of the time about riding and racing the fans, mm-hmm. um, as I remember. And um, and I'd, I'd painted the the lines in the helmet to line up with the the, the design, mm-hmm. and the fashion at the time was the very high 
helmet peak uh-huh. and then you picked it up and I was saying just be careful because it was a race that week I said just be careful the lacquer's not set yet and you grabbed the gin gun and like, you, you pushed the helmet you pushed oh, the peak up and I was like whoa that's, that's typical me though <laughs> your dad was like and there's two big scores in the lacquer and I thought oh hell he might fall oh, off anyway oops <laughs> no so, I, I definitely remember was that the one with the green flames it was yeah yeah I remember that like like I said, I can't remember 100% if, like, how it all started. I wish I remembered more of all that stuff when I was a kid. But, like, walking around here and thinking about, like, oh, I wonder what we'll talk about. I was like, a lot of it was such a blur, really, yeah. which is a shame in a way. And a lot of stuff happened so quickly, so early for me. And I don't think I fully got to appreciate it back then. Do you think that it was overwhelmingly good i'm not gonna say positive because you can you, if, if you can't remember um you know specifics it's difficult to track back how they influence you i guess but i mean generally do you think it was a positive experience being that young and essentially being a because you, you, you you're a racer whichever way you slice it you know yeah there was definitely um i think at that point i was enjoying it so much because i was seeing progression as a kid mm-hmm. um but also the support that I got back when I was a kid as well. I was thankful for it, but I think the excitement of like getting cool stuff <laughs> was over like kind of overshadowed, you know, being maybe more appreciative for those things than I should have. Like when I look back now, I'm like, oh man, I wish I like stayed with this company for a little bit longer or like, cause they were, you know, really good to me. Um, but, you know, look, you always look back and wish you'd done things differently. For you, sure. you can never, you can never do that. I mean, there's outcomes you can plan for and outcomes yeah. you, you can't. And I mean, and who's, who's planning your thing back then? Like you say, it's just, a, it's a combination of you wanting to do it as a, mm. as a kid wanting to do this thing that he likes and your dad maybe seeing a wee bit of, your parents seeing a wee bit of future in it and actually just, you just want to do it. If you, you know, there might be an attitude there if you're going to do something, do it, do it right. Can I, Dig in, stick in, yeah. Kind of thing. Oh, my mum and dad always had that mountain biking back then was still ex- still expensive, it's much cheaper than it is now. Uh-huh. But there's still that element of you know, you're a kid aged 13, 14. If you're not really showing any signs or of promise, they were always like, you know, if you keep trending the way you're going, great. But if there's any decline in results or you know you're not really caring about it, then, you know, we're going to have to either limit the amount of races we're going to and travel to and yeah, pay for course, you. Yeah. And when you get to 16, which is the age that you can race World Cups, that was the last year as far as like, you know, if you're not going to do, you're not going to pull the finger out. You'll buy your football. Then you can go and find a job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was very cutthroat, but it was also um, like one of those things, like if I wanted it badly, then I would obviously make the steps to try and get there yeah that, that well the way you describe that doesn't sound much like you know well, i guess i guess it's a wee bit of pressure and it's an ultimatum mm-hmm. with a with a small u it's not exactly like up and lights kind of thing you know it's, it sounds like support and obviously you know putting in a boundary for your parents because like you say i mean it's expensive now mm-hmm. but you know it was it's still it, it was still relatively expensive in relative terms I mean, because yeah. a bike, you know, a downhill bike back then was still like 
three three grand sounds ridiculous now doesn't it that's mm. a, a frame yeah, yeah and then you were running around doing i looked at your roots and rain the other day actually mm. and you've got about 200 eh, to 220 210 i think it was Events, two ten, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that, so that's that's a lot, mm-hmm. and um, obviously, down the road we'll come to it. But you've been on, you've been on factory teams, and you've been on um, shop teams, and you've been on all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I, I, I remember all these SDAs and what have you going around them in, in Scotland and, and seeing this, seeing the same people because, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's that little battle going on. Okay, Danny is a year younger. Was he behind you coming up? Danny Hart. Danny Hart. He's always been a year or a year, two years in front of me. In front of you, right. So okay. like if he was right. first year juvenile, I was, or if he was second year juvenile, I was always first year right. juvenile. Right, okay. I, I, I remember one being in front of the other, that, and that was all. Because, yeah. I mean, like like from the, I, I do remember, is, 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 is it Paul, his dad? Yeah. Yeah, he had the motorhome and, and what have you, and it was like. Always had yeah. the most factory professional setup yeah, back yeah. then out of everyone. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And are you, are you from Annalydon? No, Edinburgh. Born in Edinburgh, yeah. moved here, oh, like maybe when I was nine, ten, right, okay. just to get away from the city. I think not yeah. my choice, parents' choice, right? Um, and that's how it all snowballed. Right. So can you remember? I mean, I, I mean, right, right now it's it's um, obviously there's more houses here mm-hmm. and there's more facilities here. Yeah. Did you ride a bike before you came here? No. Nah. So can you remember how you got a bike on here? Is that still a blur? No, I do briefly remember. Um, hearing that something was going on over at the hill now that Adrenaline Uplift's on. And it was just an event. I think it, that event was a four-cross event, four-cross downhill event. On, and then I'll Yeah, it's called... Even I can't even remember that. It's called the Helter Skelter. Right. And it was four riders down, like the quarry jump, down the tunnel. Uh, like, this was like... St- four riders down? Yeah, yeah. I wish I could find footage somewhere. There used to be footage kicking around. But I remember watching that and I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like, oh, is that not an early Red Bull event? Is that yeah, not why well, the th- Red Bull car park ended up being called the Red Bull car park? Yeah. So Some it was a Red Bull Heller Skeller event. It was I called. do remember it. But I don't remember that being format because that's terrifying. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Like, I was amazed by it. But at that point, I thought it was cool. Um, and then when I started going to school here, um, I had a couple friends that were into it. And then it was as simple as them just being like, you know, we ride bikes or mountain bikes, you should try it. So we just tried it and I was hooked on it. I think at that point I was still horse riding. All right, okay. I used to horse ride. When you came here, was that the first thing? Yeah, that was the first thing. Like, used to do all the stuff at the stables, show jump a little bit. I know, know, show jump a little bit? Yeah. Oh, wow. I know a few people locally that, that, you know, I've been coming here for a long time, obviously. I've only lived here for... Um, three or so years, and I've been with Rideline since probably 2015 now. So, yeah. I, and then before that recreation, and I know a good couple of people in this valley that have given up biking. I mean, still on bikes, what have you, mm-hmm. and, and they're horse riding. It's still a big thing here. Yeah, opposite for me. I remember I got I'm pretty sure I got bucked off by the horse, <laughs> and I, I just got I got scared of that because I couldn't really control yeah the horse. Where I was like, well, if I can be in control of a bike, it might be getting somewhere, but. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm with you, man. My, my, um, my sister had a pony called Polo, <laughs> oh, and it was probably the size. Now, now it's probably the size of a good size Labrador, but I oh. thought it, I thought it was massive. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember my dad put me on it, and I absolutely screamed the place down. And I've never oh. been on a horse since. <laughs> I think it was just that feeling of um, 
so I've never been sort of risk averse, but I'm, I've always been very risk aware, mm-hmm. which helps me with my job. Mm-hmm. But the part of me was like, what do I do if this thing just decides to do, well, basically what it wants? It's got a mind of its own, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. they're like, well, you pull here and you pull there. I'm like, nah. I was like, well, mm-hmm. I don't think if somebody did that to me, I think I'd just keep on doing what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hang around for very long. I put it that way. No. Uh, easily put off after that. How did you How did you end up in, into that? I think we... We moved to a cottage up the road, up Leithen Road, right. and we were right next to the stables. We were basically in a farm, right? So it's like hard not to be surrounded by that. And uh, I think my, my passion for mountain biking wasn't there at that point, so I had no distractions. It's like school, come home, horse ride, whatever. Like, pretty, well, looking back at him, I'm a bit like, oof. That, that's new. <laughs> So no, no, no success there then. Uh, nah, no, definitely no. not. No. <laughs> so I mean, I, I so you, you it was last a French company. I can't remember. Germany. It was Germany, German, German was it? Company, yeah, yeah. I know, I mean, it was a, a European sure. company. Yeah. So they, so she did that, mm. and obviously you're on my radar and a couple of other people's radar for stuff. So, mm. so there must have been some success there, mm. and it being a blur aside, can you remember? Is, 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 was there a point where you just, or, or, a, or a series of events where that sort of ultimatum that you agreed with your parents mm. kind of ticked over, kind of, you know, calmed over? I think, um, I feel like when I was on last, it was still quite early days. I was on that progression. I felt like I was fortunate enough or luck, I don't know whether it's fair enough to say lucky enough, but my progression from like 11 years old to 16 was always up. I never plateaued, I never went down. I'm not sure why that is, because I didn't properly start training until I was 16, 17. Uh, but I think just like my dedication to riding, like as much as I could every time after school, whatever, um, and studying other riders. Do you not uh, think that's all you can you can do before you go through? I mean, basically through puberty and what have you. I mean, you can't you can't train before you're grown a certain way and what have you. So, yeah, I, mean, I felt like at that point for me, like getting the like foundations and like the skill and learning how to handle a bike with what I had and the strength I had was the most important. And I think I just worked on that for years. Um, but I enjoyed it so much that it just came naturally. I never forced myself to go out and f- work on cornering or anything like yeah. that. Um, but six, when I was 16 years old, that was like the point that was like, I had a one shot at it and I had my first professional contract. And it was like, when I mean professional contract, I still wouldn't even have classed it as being a professional. Evil approached me with like a deal that was no money, which is... I even think if you're 16 years old and you're fast on a bike, I'm not sure if you're in a position to be making a salary at that point, but no money. My mom and dad still had to pay for my flights and accommodation, but I had like the good bike, all the equipment, I had a mechanic. So it was like, we'll give you the ingredients to get the job done. But you're not going to reap any benefits from it as far as financially yet. Well, so. let's contextualize that because yeah. we'll talk a lot about your your riding history. So that yeah. that would have been two thousand and nine, something like that, maybe. Yeah, two thousand and ten. Yeah. Yeah, just where we're talking about what yeah what's available what was available to riders at, the, at that point. Mm-hmm. So yeah. to summarize, it was a bike and kit and a mechanic. Like when I mean mechanic, I mean I was last in line. Right. Yeah. Pretty okay. much. Yeah, so. Some support. 
some support is the right. best way to put it. And that's you. I, I take it that's you taking your first steps into Europe then. And that, yeah. that, that's downhill, we should say to everybody as well, because we actually never clarified that. Yeah. I, I said about a downhill bike, but this is all downhill. Downhill um, World um, Cup, yeah. Yeah, World Cup. Okay, mm-hmm. so your first World Cup was? Um, in Slovenia, Maribor. Maribor. Mm-hmm. And how did you do? You remember? Absolutely shocking. I remember that race so well. And, you know, someone that had that I always leaned on for advice was Ruri Cunningham. And I remember Ruri being like, yeah, the, the pace is not... Because at that point, juniors had to race against the elites. So we never had our own category. So it was top 80 qualified, I think. Yeah. And I was always so curious at what that pace looked like. Like, what would it take to qualify? So I was always on Ruri. Like, what is it really like? And he's like, mate, just put all your way down. You'll be sound. And obviously being 16 years old and having no sense of chill. Uh, I think I crashed about, honestly, five times. Right. And I think I finished, like, mid-100s, like 130, 140, oh, right. maybe okay. even 150th. Um, so I never qualified in my first World Cup. Do you think that was just a turn up? I've got, got to go fast. It's World Cup now. It's like, yeah, at any I, cost, sort of thing. I never even, I, I remember one simple thing. We ran big Shimano rotors back then. And the, the holes on the rotors were so, so, so small. Mm. And the race was so muddy that all those holes within the first 30 seconds clogged up. Yeah. So I had no like cooling in my brakes, nothing. I just remember coming into corners, grabbing brakes, and there was nothing there. <laughs> and that's part of the reason why I crashed a lot as well. Um, but I didn't really let it affect me wasn't like oh damn now i can't qualify it's this tough um i think it was just like i needed to go through that process um to learn and to apply for the next round so yeah well you learn a lot on your first of anything don't you i mean i I mean a lot of people won't agree but people come to us and they go how do i prepare for my first enduro i'm like well you don't you prepare for your second one 100 (laughs) percent. you know you just you you go and you 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 do the best you can you ask and you do this and then you you know, you, you go and then you go, well, that worked or that didn't. And then you, yeah. you go like, yeah. you know, and it's a, it's, it's a, it's an evolution. It's, it's, it's an animal all of itself when you repeat a certain thing in context and it delivers different results. It's yeah. a living, yeah. breathing thing. I was the same thing back then. Like you're a sponge, I feel like, or I felt like I was a sponge at that age. So everything that happened, positive or negative, I was absorbing, taking on, applying for the next, um, competition or event or whatever yeah but that was rough i remember that like it was literally so long ago my first professional race but i remember it big time and the juniors raced alongside the elites yes yes so yeah we had no separate category (laughs) no like two juniors could qualify and you'd have a first and second on the podium and that's it so diluted it was a little bit more diluted yeah but the competition was still equally. Oh, that went right up to the, po- the podium as well. If the, if they matched the time, sort of thing. Um, we would still have our own podium, right? But we'd have like a little asterisk next to our name on the result sheet. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. To point out that we're a junior. junior. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that could get pretty dicey these days when you've got because like Jackson Goldstone, like like <laughs> within tenths or exactly. beating elite riders. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's funny that because that, that would have been after the Worlds in Fort William as well, where, yep. where obviously there was different categories and different podiums and uh-huh. 
Yeah, I, I think I remember that kind of confusion. Yeah, because the the um, we'd be looking for our, all of our pals and the results, and the results would just be two hundred and fifty yeah. names, yeah, or whatever it was, the top seventy or eighty that qualified, and you had to pick them out, and there was no, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that, that was it was strange. It seems like a million years ago that it's a long time. If so much has changed, like everything has changed, Stra- like race format, bikes, yeah. people, like speed, how everyone prepares yeah. is. It's pretty mad. A million variables, isn't there? Yeah. So you, you, you were still, I mean, you were still riding, obviously, 26-inch wheels back then, mm-hmm. you know, 180 mil max, maybe. If that was that would be a big bike, yeah, yeah, right? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, I'm spitballing now. Somebody's mm-hmm. out there going, oh, no, the V10 was available. In- I think it was like 180, between 180 and 200 mil. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, what's max travel now in a downhill bike? 205 205 yeah it's not maybe gonna, yeah, it's, I don't know it's different efficiency in wheel sizes now and stuff isn't yeah. it leverage ratios and stuff it's yeah oh, anything over 200 just seems ridiculous goes now. straight over my head seems like a practical joke yeah I have no idea <laughs> I could ride bikes but I don't have a clue about them I, I, well the SDA was here the other weekend and it mm. and it looked like a mega turnout but but half the people that race them were on enduro bikes yeah I don't think now because bikes are expensive yeah I mean and a lot of people don't have the money to buy a downhill bike and an enduro oh, totally. bike, you know? Totally. So it's like, yeah. the way I think about it now is if you can get a really good enduro bike that can take a triple crown fork, mm-hmm. if you want to do downhill racing, you can always just whip your single crown off and put your dual crown yeah. on. Saves you spending six, seven grand on a total separate bike that probably won't get used as much. Yeah. So You just spend a thousand pound on a spare set of forks instead. There you go. <laughs> Not made it sound any well, better. I know you're, you're, you're the man to ask about that, given yeah. your current project. But, yeah. But yeah. So you're you're. Um, so do you? What what's the field size like that back then for juniors then? Oh, I think uh, I'd take a guess at like 30, 40. All right. Okay. I mean, you pretty remember decent. whereabouts you were on that? I mean, one hundred and thirtieth in um, the group is not. Is it? Is it nearly last? Is it? I, I don't I know. I think it was almost last in the results right. sheet. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure from what I remember. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't in yeah. the shout for a good result with that. Was well. that was that on the evil then? You it did was. you did pick that up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so after evil, mm-hmm. after that, so you went. You, did you do any anything outside Europe? Went yeah, I went to America and Canada for my first time. All right, cool. Um, is that the first time you've been abroad without it was, without your parents? Yeah, I try. I can't believe I flew and like travelled myself at that age. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Literally like that. Um, but yeah, like that's the perfect example of a learning curve, right? That's pretty insane. Yeah. Um, I've not been a big world traveler, only just recently. And, mm-hmm. I, and the first time I went abroad properly with Jen, with a bike and what have you, I was a wreck. I was, I was, mm. I was really up to high doors. My granny mm. used to say, like, I was worried about my bike, where are all my bags? Mm-hmm. It's like, what, what did I do? So I can't imagine. Yeah. Oh, maybe I was so numb to it back then because I was so focused on, like, just getting there and like experiencing what I wanted to experience since I was a kid. Um, But yeah, that year did, 2010 did snowball really fast. Like I was still on that progression. The first World Cup was rough, but I rebounded at the second one in Fort William. Um, And then from there on, when I went to America and Canada, those were big, big, uh, turning points I felt like in my career at that point I was only half a year into it um, I went to Whistler for the first time mm. raced that and got second 
I was still a junior at that point, but G. Atherton won the event, and that's when he was in his prime. Yeah. Um, got second to him, and then went to America, and I think I got 16th in that overall. And I'm pretty sure Sam Hill finished a spot behind me at that right. point. Wow. So that for me was crazy. Was he still? No, how old would he have been? But he, but he was in his prime as well. He was that like was Iron Horse. Um, he was on his. I think that year was a specialised year. Was it that yeah. first year? So he was still winning and stuff. But if he had an off race, he was yeah. still there or thereabouts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a a big a big year for me and that's, the that's turning point. Of, I think that's a lot of company to be around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking back at it. Um, and still looking back at it now, even you know when we get on to talk about the enduro stuff, I remember watching Sam as a kid, you know, and like I have a photo of him, me and him at Fort William in two, maybe two thousand and eight or nine, and I bought or my dad bought a jersey, a signature jersey of his for like I don't know fifty pounds, and I got it signed off him, and there's a photo of me and Sam, and uh, I've showed him the photo since, and it's like. He's like, holy, like, can't believe, like, it's just crazy yeah. to think that, like, I'm so small, he's number one in the world, and then fast forward, like, 10 years, and I'm there, or beating him now yeah. and then. Yeah. Um, It's a cool, like, it's cool to look back at. Like, I look at it, and I'm like, man, that is awesome. Fair to say, that's sure. like a movie cliche, where the young lad with the magazines... Like reading them, you know, reading them with his torch on the uh-huh. covers and what have you, and then 100%. before you know it, five or six years later, you're you're standing there with the cover star in the same race. It's, yeah, it's yeah, mega stuff, man. It's cool. It's really really cool. I feel yeah. like, um, but you you'd done the work to get there. So you so you you um, yeah. so as a junior, mm. you so what are your achievements as a junior up to now? You you you're Scottish. Scottish champ. Yeah, off the top of my head, like I'm sure. Did you run up in British champs? Or did you win the British champs? Won the British champs a couple of times. Yeah, Scottish champs a couple of times, and then uh, third, third at junior world champs, and then I think I was like second overall in the World Cup series to Troy Brosnan at that time. Um, I won a couple. If you want to say one, it was never. You know, if a junior wins a World Cup now, <clears throat> it's a separate result. They, you see that they won. They have a podium for themselves. Sure. Back then, it was like, if me or Troy won a World Cup, there was that was it. There was no song and dance about it. Like, there was no articles on it. Nothing like that. Um, only the athlete themselves knew that they had won a, or a junior World Cup because it was always overshadowed by, yeah. you know, if Troy came 35th or I came 35th, and we were the top placing junior. We won juniors, but we're still in the result sheet with all the elites. So what matters at the end of the day is who's first in that result sheet. So it was always overshadowed. So did you ever win overlooked. a junior World Cup? One ju- I think I won a couple. Right, okay. Uh, win- I, I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, Wyndham in America. Um, I won that one. Then there was another one in France, I think, in Le Bresse when I was on Chain Reaction Cycles, I think. Right. So there's a couple, um, but it's not something that I've really. No, I, I actually haven't realized. About I mean, I, I um, obviously the bit of work with Ruri as well over over that time, and oh. I, I watched him quite closely for a couple of years, and um, I hadn't. Um, I think Ruri won a couple yeah. as well because he was he was battling with Josh. 
yeah. quite quite closely, even mm-hmm. at, even at the Worlds. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, that was a, a bit of a nail biter, as I remember. Mm. Um, yeah, but I, I didn't actually. I, I'd forgotten about the whole classification thing and the asterisk uh-huh. thing, and I can see it in my mind's uh, eye now, like you know, it, and you know, everybody standing in the tent. But yeah, but yeah, yeah that, that, that's a real shame. But uh, yeah, yeah, you know, they, I mean, whether you get recognised for it or not, they're still there, right? And it's formed. It's formed how you're going forward at the 100%, end of the day. Yeah. And you did you, you stayed you stayed in um, everybody knows you that, that does know you as 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 probably more erstwhile an enduro racer and then switching careers obviously. But you did stay in downhill for a you did resist for a for a wee while. Mm. So did you get was it CRC next with Mark Scott was on the team? Was, uh, that, was that later on or it was Joe Smith. Now. Joe Smith. Yeah. Finland rider Matty Lahaikinen. yeah, that's right. It Matt, Matt Simmons. That's who I'm thinking of, Matt Simmons. Yeah, Matt Scott. Simmons, yeah. Joe Smith, Matty, and I think myself. I think that was the team. It seems like a monster team now. Yeah. And that's when Chain Reaction was like yeah, they all were, the monies. Yeah, they were, well, that was their first, I think that was their first year. Mm. Um, like I remember testing their first bike and stuff. Um, but that was tough. Looking back then, I remember that at Race in America when I was on Evil being a big changing point because I did finish really well. And I remember Pagey in the car park. I was just cycling around, had no clue. And Pagey came up to me and he was like, I, I don't, I didn't really know Pagey at that point. But he was like, what are you doing next year? And I was like, like I don't know. <laughs> but it was always, to me, like CRC was always that like factory team. And I think they were on intense at that point. It was intense. And I yeah. knew that they were going to make a change to this new company. And I was like, you know, it's all the ingredients I need. And I think what changed was when it was like a paid deal. And I was like, I didn't give evil the opportunity to match it or chime in, which, um, looking back, like stupid move, but like, I'm still young and I felt like I had to jump at any opportunity I was given. So I was being selfish, but I was also still being guided a little bit mm-hmm. by my parents. So mm-hmm. what they say goes. Um, and I think I pretty much was like, yeah, like I'll do it. And I hadn't even spoken to evil and I never spoke to evil. Pretty sure I signed a contract, never even told them. So yeah, I mean, a bit of a learning curve, but also... Yeah, it's got to snatch at it while you can. It's kind of weird. It's like that 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 evil deal. Mm. Um, no harm to anybody, but it sounds more like that that's what you would call an ambassador deal now. Thousand percent. Here, here's here, here's a bike. Give us it back at the either sell it or give us it back at the end of the season. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, hundred like, percent. Like you would wear a pair of sunglasses or a, you know. Yeah, and I felt like I, you know, they didn't pay for expenses at the end of the day. Uh-huh. I got equipment, but um, was that one know, season? Was it? One season, yeah, and I only had one bike. Right. So um, it was a stepping stone, yeah. put it that way, and I'm thankful for it. And um, they did take a chance on me because there were other juniors available sure. at that yeah. point. So every single step that I've made in my career, I'm always thankful for that because if it wasn't for that step, whether or not I had to think about myself at one point was selfish and took a deal that allowed me to make my first little bit of money, then great. It doesn't matter the amount, but like... I had never made a single penny at that point. So. I think with that, with that amount of experience and and 
you know, with, with those needs and the fact that you're doing well, it's it's you, you can forgive your young self for that kind of mm. misstep, you know, or, or perceived misstep. Because, yeah. um, I mean, back then, you know, you're talking again. You're talk, probably talking 2010, something like that. Then, if you went, if you opened a magazine or opened a website, or done, CRC was that, but you couldn't get away mm. from them. Yeah. They, they they sponsored everything. You know, every race series, everything. So that. You know, as a young lad looking in for opportunity and support, yeah. and seeing the support that other people get—I mean, I, I, mm. I know lots of privateers. You know, Jim was talking about some earlier. You, you, mm. you know, when you're there as a privateer, you see everybody getting fed and people putting new tires on for you, and you're like, oh, "I want a bit of that." Mm. Like, you know, that, mm. that, that looks good. So yeah, yeah. but you—you—you you, um, you were more than a year with them, though, weren't you? Two years. Two years. Them, yeah. Yeah. Um, and would that have been the first? Like time doing? Did you do every World Cup? I, you know what, I didn't unfortunately because that's when injuries started creeping in, and those injuries played a big part with everything, like physically, mentally, and still at that sort of immature age, um, where I still think I thought I knew like what I was doing was correct. Wasn't really listening to other people. Um, if I'm completely honest, those. Two years there was highlights, but they're probably the most two most disappointing years um, I've probably ever had, and it, I feel like it's all self inflicted. So I don't really necessarily like not 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 to talk about it, but to look back, I don't have anything really good to say. Mm-hmm. I let like admittingly let down a lot of people that I was getting tons of support, and I just wasn't delivering. I deliver now and then. Um, with like good results but it was either like an injury or um, just being a complete idiot like so without going into specifics what, what would you do differently what would you tell yourself if you could go back like just that that stuff sh- like doesn't shouldn't fly and shouldn't be allowed like I didn't train I don't know I don't know if I got too comfy honestly right didn't train I didn't think I had to at that point um, because I was still winning races with not training. And I was right, like, okay. like, it's just natural talent or like being able to corner fast and stuff and switch your brain off and go quick, which part of it was that. But, um, yeah, I, I just think I should have taken it more seriously. I should have listened to people, but still I was like 17 years old, yeah. 18 years old. And, when I hear that being said now, oh, but he's only 17, 18, I will admit I'm like, hmm, doesn't matter though. Like that's a prime age to like really take on advice, be a sponge and train if you can. Sure. Because there's kids out there, honestly, who, whether it's people think it's right or wrong, who are 14, 15 that are training and are unbelievably skilled on a bike and have this goal and vision of being the best in the world. If you're going up against that and you're 17, 18 and you're not doing any of that, you could be on the back foot. So I paid the price for that for a year and a half. I was on the back foot. and uh, What did that look like? If I was watching you, what would I see? As far as like performance or... Just what, just... what would that backslide look to the people that look like to the people that invested or the people that were following you? Um, I think just like, I mean, obviously like lack of results. I just wasn't performing. They expected something of me, like a certain, um, a certain 
quality of result. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I just honestly got too comfy. I had a pretty cushy deal. Yeah. Not monetary. Like we're, yeah. when I'm talking money, I mean like, I think it was like seven grand or something right, I got paid. Okay. But for me at that point, I was like, Riding bikes though, right? I'm not spending any of that money. Sure, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it was just a big, a big learning curve. And uh, I almost feel like that really like set the tone for the next, I don't know, five years, really. Like uh, yeah. it was a bit of a grind to get back to where I wanted to. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I, w- I want to say after that, did, did, you, did, you have a re- did you have a rest injury? I had... I dislocated my shoulder and right. in my first year with, so we went to a team camp with Chain Reaction and it was my first time meeting everyone. And we were racing at Ross Driver. I think it was Ross Driver in Ireland. And it was practice and I dislocated my shoulder. Right. So before I even started my first professional race for CRC, I was already in the surgery room. So it's not a good start. Um, and that's just a prime example. Like I was so keen to get back on the bike um, I probably returned earlier than I should have. Mm. So all these things were not smart. Um, but those with those two years with CRC, I just had a shoulder injury, but it was like a lingering one. And even things like CRC paid for my surgery, went private, and they paid for it, and I still fucked them around. So mm. not the proudest moment, but it's, you know, these things shape people. And Yeah, yeah just because you did something bad in the past or acted irresponsibly doesn't mean... No, you shouldn't you know, be judging the, the rest of your life on yeah. something mature or not. I mean, For I'm, sure. uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting on a bit, but I, I, I'd hate to take the worst thing I'd ever done to anybody mm. and then that be the reflection of, that everybody sees, you know? Mm. And we're too quick to do that these days because yeah. we're, um, well, you, you know, as much as anybody just now, like, you know, it's you're just, people see one thing and it's really easy to... to to, to do that but i mean it's 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 a good bit of self-reflection that though yeah i mean to, it's it's um a, a one in one part it's easy to criticize your young self mm. but interestingly you caveat that was saying i don't think it's actually right to say i was only 17 i, mm. I should have known better so you've obviously took it took it onwards yeah you know, carrying it a wee bit yeah um but yeah those two years were like i said to sum up disappointing um but a lot to learn from it mm. going forward. I just made it harder work for me. <laughs> yeah. So your next five years, mm. um, so you said that shaped the next five years a wee bit. I, I, so um, last, I couldn't remember Evil, Evil, yeah. then CRC is where yeah. I kind of lost track a wee bit. Yeah, yeah. Of, 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 and I can't remember what you were doing. So when I left CRC, I had nothing, like, absolutely nothing um and that's when i kind of went looking for scraping together the bare minimum um so that was with i struck a deal with single track bikes which is a shop based in edinburgh i think and uh it's just like a frame kind of deal and that's when i it's funny looking back at that because that year I scraped together sponsors, like personal sponsors. So it was a privateer thing, basically. Um, but then again, I never got any financial help. So it was back to square one. My parents were pretty much supporting me again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was national level stuff in the odd World Cup. 
we planned to go to Fort Roy World Cup because um, I had enough points to go there. And we went there. And I was like, this is my shot to, like, get back on the radar. Yeah, your shot window again. And I remember, like, doing my qualifying run and getting a flat tire, not even a minute in. And I was like, <laughs> I was so, like, upset and distraught because of that because my dad saw it as like a one chance to get back on the radar and like we'd hired a van and like he took time off work and everything and it was just like it just was like it's just kind of not meant to be like got a flat tire like can't catch a break and get a flat tire all weekend in practice um and yeah i just remember almost kind of throwing the towel in a little bit after that um and then straight after that Oh, I think I made my way somehow onto Intense. I don't so remember you on an Intense. Suspension Centre, which was like a suspension company based in Switzerland, right. had a team with Intense, like a collaboration. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think I jumped. I think I, pre- I think I jumped on that, and uh, that was almost like I could be getting that mixed up. Like either that was flipped the other way or whatever, but. Um, I remember that being a little bit of a resurrection in my career almost. Um, but that didn't last very long again. So I had some good World Cup results, um, good national results. Like I was still knocking on the top door of the twen- top, uh, top 20 at the World Cup. So that's like decent. And then I got injured. I broke my leg at Val de Sol. And then I got quite a lot of pressure from the team at that point to come back as quick as I could but the broken leg wasn't something that I could really rush um kind and, of ironic I guess because I'm guessing you rushed back on your dislocated shoulder yeah it's it was a snow it's just a snowball of like adversity yeah and I'm trying to get the best outcome I can mm-hmm. um but with like not smart choices by myself and also being a little bit tiny pressured um was was just not a good ingredient but um i remember that deal being somewhat paid like i think maybe the same as what crc was and then they i think briefly what i remember they terminated my contract after like they used it as a good excuse towards the tail end of the year i think so that they didn't have to pay me the final bit of money (laughs) so i got um i had a big crash here in elethan smashed my helmet up like it wasn't rideable but the following like weekend i had the nash british national up there and i had no option but to use a different helmet so i used a different helmet and ended up getting second at that british downhill so there was a fair bit of coverage from that and bluegrass at that time i think it was bluegrass weren't happy and um they not bluegrass but the manager at that time of the team used that as good leeway to be like, well, you know, later on in the year, well, you've not raced anything else because you're injured. You wore a wrong helmet, terminate the contract. So it didn't end too well. I was pretty annoyed with that. Um, so there's been bad blood there ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said, that's not another great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then... Yeah, that was going in that following year was my final, final year in World Cup Downhill. And I raced for Banshee. 
Oh, bad yeah, shea yeah, bags. Yeah. Green forks, green bags, yes, green care. Yes, yes, Yeah, I remember. And uh, honestly, that was the final shot. That was like, mm-hmm. if it doesn't work this year, I'm putting the helmet up and selling all my bikes and getting a job. <laughs> what would you have done? What would you look for? I actually did get a job. Did you? Yeah. What did you do? I was, a, I was doing fencing. Like up oh, in the hills, right. yeah. It was, Outside with a hammer. It was hard work. Everything's but it was a nail. Brilliant. Pretty decent. <laughs> um, yeah, I just remember like that's when everything changed. It was my final World Cup in Val de Sol, and I had what I thought was a great qualifying run, and I think I finished like a hundred thirty ninth, which I was like, "That's it, I'm done." So like, that was your last World Cup. That was my last Val World Cup. Yeah. Wow. And I just remember being like, if that's me doing my best and we're trying my hardest and I'm like, the cutoff point was 80 for qualifying. Like, what's the point? Like, I was at that point where like, what is the point? I'm not making any money. And, you know, I'm, I don't know off the top of my head how old I was. That was 2014. Right. 2015. So that was the final straw. And I do remember coming home and being like, I'm done. And I was done. And uh, do you think you were done with bike racing? Full stop. At yeah. That, at that point, it yeah. was like just fuck it, no more. Yeah, absolutely no more. Like yeah. put myself through too much, and it was like I couldn't get myself out of the deep hole that I dug myself. And uh, it's ten years though, like eight or ten years. Like, yeah. Oh, it was almost you know full well full gas quote marks. Full of high like. and lows, like ton like tons of highs, but the lows definitely outweighed it. Yeah. And. Uh, so also that like reward, like I'm a big, probably more so than back then, like a big believer in like, if I'm doing something, I want something out of it. Yeah. It's just who I am. Like mm-hmm. I'm a mo- I like to be motivated by certain things and um, have a purpose as well. Like, so yeah, I just remember, remember bumping into a couple of people here and at that point, that's when number one had opened. So it was quite a social thing and I was there a lot and I just remember people being like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, I'm done. And I do remember saying that, like, I am done. And up every morning, 6 a.m., like, up towards St. Mary's Loch fencing, like... Mm-hmm. And it was weird, because I was, like, you know, standing out in the high street waiting for a lift, like, from the workies, basically. <laughs> like, my packed lunch yeah, and everything, wow, and I'm, yeah, like... Yeah, like a vet, Like a veteran coming home from war or something. Like, like that. Trying to re- just, I'm not equating the two, you understand, but, no, you know, no. that's... that's similar sort of thing I kind of right? liked it because it was a it was a bit of a reality check in a, in a sense oh like, that never hurts right I was just like man like my parents helped me so much and all I had to do was do what I loved I didn't have to do stuff you know sometimes you've got to do stuff that you don't enjoy doing <sighs> yeah um, what a place to be in though that, that mm. Yeah, that that's you put that really well there. That that's that's I'm a wee bit heartbroken for you, man. That that that's <laughs> like what a, what a spot to 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 feel like you're being. All I, well, that's interesting. All mm. I had to do was do what I loved, and I couldn't even really do that. Like you know, and and, and on top of that, you've got that's all somebody else wanted you to do. The people that love you, the people yeah. that supported you. Mm. But uh, oh god, it's not that you didn't give it your best in some ways. Though, nah. do you, know what I mean? you, you can't. You, you I mean, it's okay looking back and saying this and that, but. Mm. Like I say, man, going from in any, I think in anything really, where the outside pressures are so much, be that family, finance, your, your benefactors, sponsors, mm. and rules and regulations, all that sort of stuff, is 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 being that young and then just relentlessly doing that for 
eight, mm. eight or nine years. Yeah, yeah. That's that's tough, man. Yeah, it's a lot. And there's also there's no back then. It's different. I'm in a different position now, but back then it was like I relied on a good year to help me for the following year, and uh, just felt like always oh, scraped by as well, like um getting a bit tight too yeah and like i had to you know i was still staring at my parents at that time and any money i had coming in from doing the fencing like just went straight to them you know yeah um so it was a big reality check but it was also like i felt like i needed that break as well from it and just yeah. do something different just about the time when flat white appeared yeah this is when we started like building that yeah. and i did ride i think i still had an intense at that point and I built it up and had fun with it. And uh, that's when the whole, yeah, the enduro story was a bit funny, but that's when that all started happening, like kind of three, four months, I guess, after. Yeah, because there is an overlap that. in the sort of, let's just say the rise of enduro and, and you being a, a World Cup, as there has been with a lot of like, pro enduro riders, is they, they didn't bump over straight away. Mm-hmm. I mean, even they're still coming across now, some of them, like, you know, that first round there, yeah. there was there was downhill riders and that. And, yeah. and Jen and I were quite confused because we follow it, but, you know, mm-hmm. we're not looking at team politics. And um, we were thinking, well, a downhill team wouldn't release a rider to go and ride enduro to... to break their collarbone uh-huh. and then not be able to write. So it was all a bit confusing. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess because all the rounds are in the same places and what have you now and there's so many, you know, different things going on. Yeah. yeah. I digress anyway, but, yeah. So, yeah, Enduro had been going for a couple of years, and uh-huh. at least in the, in the well, been going a lot more longer than that, but EWS. Yeah. So so you're, you're, you're fencing. Yeah, yeah. Digging trails, drinking a lot of coffee. Yeah. Hence the trail. Mm. And uh, then the Enduro thing comes along. Starts creeping up your lawn. Yeah, that started purely. I was just, I was just intrigued. I knew I didn't have the fitness. Like you'll be able to understand what I'm going to say here, but you know the climb from the road at the bottom where the cabin is mm-hmm. to the side of the bomb hole. Yeah. Like in my downhill days, I couldn't cycle up that without having to stop there. Oh wow! Because I seriously was so unfit so so unfit because i never trained and my diet wasn't great wow that's (laughs) when i say i never took it seriously and uh so when how this all happened was i was in the cafe and you know garant yeah yeah yeah. he mentioned to me he's like why don't you think about enduro and i my reply was like you've got to be having a laugh right like i can barely paddle up a hill and how am i going to like, is there even any point in me going against, you know, the fittest guys in the world in a completely different format, different bike, different, tra- like, training just for a start? But he was like, well, don't knock it off yet. Just have a think about it. And I was like, oh, whatever. And then as he left, I was like, I don't know, I think he did leave a bit of an impact on me. And I was like, you know, what if I apply everything that I've learned and did wrong and corrected all that, went full 360. And I was like, and I'd have a carrot to chase. Like it's a new sport, new discipline. Everything would be new, so it's refreshing. So it's refreshing for my mind, but it's also a fresh goal and I'm not gonna be associated with downhill. It's completely different to downhill. So I was like, I saw, there was a Scottish Enduro here and I think it was a final Scottish Enduro and I was like, 
I'll just enter it for pure fun and see if I enjoyed it. And I'd never rode enduro before or like done any of that. I took part in that event and I won the event, like the, got the fastest time of the day. And I remember having so much fun. Um, I just remember you had freedom to like take as long as you want, pedal around with your friends. And instead of doing the same track once, you got to do six mm-hmm. and you got to practice them. Then the following day you got to race them. And I liked that, like you didn't get much practice. So for me, I was like, I was having fun again. And that was enough for me to pretty much be like, I think there might be something here. Like, there might be some scope here to chase after and maybe go for something. Um, it might have been a different story if I didn't have won. If, if I maybe had come like off the podium, that interest probably wouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. But I saw a glimmer. I felt like there was a bit of a glimmer there. So I remember shortly after that sitting my parents down and I was like, I'm sure I said something like, this is going to sound crazy, but, like, I think I'm going to try enduro, like, the EWS, like, I'm just going to go for it. And I think they were obviously a little bit like, whatever, like, as they were very aware, like, as much as I was about how much of a big ask that was. Because, you know, you are talking about, like, it is a gnarly discipline. It's like yeah, it's 50, big, big 50 minutes to an yeah. hour of racing, <laughs> not three minutes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I went and got in touch with Garen and I so wish I still had the messages from him. But I, at that point we had Twitter and that was like the only communication that we had. And I messaged him on Twitter and I was like, you know, you were going on about trying enduro. How would you feel about training me? And his reply was like, I thought he was going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And his reply was like, something like, not right now, not a chance. Or like, I'll have to think about it. Mm. And I was like, I know exactly why he's having to think about it. Because he doesn't want to commit time to me if I'm going to fanny around and let him down, essentially. But I was so, so keen to prove to him that like I had changed, proved to the industry that like at that point, yeah, I'd vanished, but, like, I wanted to come back and, like, really showcase my full talent. Um, and I think our, we had a meeting and he made it very clear, like, what not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did sit on it for a while. Uh, and then he ended up, I ended up getting that message that was like, let's do it. Like, but you got to be all in, like if you don't give a hundred percent and I see you're not giving a hundred percent, we're done. And I saw that we're done as like, he wouldn't just keep that to himself. Like if I let him down, the reputation of that would go around for sure. Um, but I saw that as like such a, you know, I used that phrase, a carrot to chase. Like I was like, I'm after one thing and it's to get the absolute first I possibly can and get back, like get people back talking and get back on that result sheet. And, uh, yeah, probably try the hardest I've ever tried to, to get back to that spot. So, so did you privateer for long before Trek? I rode for BMC. So BMC yeah. was my, f- I honestly don't know how I got that deal. Like that's a professional, at that point was a professional EWS team. But they're actually a massive company. I don't think people realize here how, how big BMC are. 
in like road and yeah for sure cyclocross and all that they're they're huge so that back then for me was like it was a massive thing so i'd like taken garrett up on this training um and this training was was savage like i do remember going up and doing intervals that he'd set for me um and i got napier is it sorry this we actually i don't think we'd done anything at napier i think we might have but most of my stuff was he was like you need bike time like all your intervals are on the bike everything you do is on the bike because that's what you're going to be doing and i remember going out for my first interval session and we had a start point and a finish point and i got timed so we had a benchmark and no joke every single week i went out i got faster and faster and faster because i always think i was so unfit i was able to adapt and improve so quick and every single week there was an improvement and as i saw that it made me want it more and more and more and more so um you know i'd get five seconds faster next week 10 seconds faster um so i knew i was on the right track and something was working but at that point i still never had any support no deal the first race was in chile in argentina like there's no way i'm getting there. nice local uh, 100 percent yeah so so was that more like the we're back to the evil deal here and just more of a modern sort of way is it like this is the thing so a jersey and a bike and i felt like i was back to square one yeah. but with a different mentality yeah. so bmc i like i had no racing experience my one thing on my cv was first place at a scottish enduro and they were like <laughs> it kind of means nothing and i was like yeah. i know but i made a promise to them that i would prove to them and i remember being on a call with them and with their rider at that time who was like top five top ten in the ws and even he was on the call because i think he was like this is a bit of a joke and um i just remember being like i'll take anything like give me a bike kit and pay for my flights and stuff no salary i ended up didn't did get i did end up getting a salary but it was like five thousand pounds yeah and uh they ended up just being like right we'll take you on and i was like right i got everything i need now and i do remember going into full like um just shut everything else off in my life and focused on that and i mean it did end up paying off um which was a surprise to them and me um but i just worked hard and were you uh, able to do that full series then so i did the first two rounds which was chile and argentina my first ews result was 13th which was like a shock to me i would have been happy with like top 40 mm-hmm. but to slide into 13th i think it was you know against you know the top enduro guys and still beating guys who've done it for years was a massive result and then the following weekend i got uh seventh and i think i got a couple top three stage finishes i finished like 0.2 behind richie rood on one of the stages so i was sitting third in the race like halfway through and uh then i crashed and like went back to seventh place which but seventh is still amazing oh yeah so i'd really like at that point it was a big talking point i even remember world cup downhill racers messaging me being like so good to see you've turned things around like and you found something that you're proper good at and passionate about um and then the flashbacks of like the previous years 
started happening because I returned home after Argentina on such a high and uh, I went on a photo shoot with Innes and not even 10 minutes into the photo shoot I crashed and snapped my elbow in half and that's still yes to date the biggest injury I've ever had and um, that was honestly that was the probably one of the toughest things I've had to deal with in my career like it was that big an injury and I got told that I would never return to professional cycling again that's what the surgeon said and the elbow specialist that I was seeing after like the bone was a compound fracture so the bone was like that much out of my skin yikes so it wasn't just so that's about 10 centimeters he's he's shown me there it was bad it was really really bad and uh was that your is that your elbow from your forearm or uh it was literally like on the corner of my elbow like right right here and uh that was i think i did that in march april and i never uh well the next race i did was the following year in like april at the next ews um but that was like full of rehab and like still to this day I still can't straighten my arm fully so a lot changed like bike set up and ride high and everything the yeah. front of the bike changed um, but that just felt like it was back to square one but I had built that mental toughness through the winter of training that I dealt with it so much better because um, I had one goal and that was to get back on a bike I told I wouldn't I, was, I got told I wouldn't so I was like oh well and I did um, but then I was back to square one of proving to a team because BMC folded their team after that, after that year. Um, you stu- you'd stuck those results in, though. That's a decent marker, though. If right? I didn't have those results, honestly, would I probably would have been screwed. Yeah. Because I felt like, you know, even if those results were... 40th, 50th, it wouldn't have had the effect. <laughs> exactly of, what I was going to say there. If you had a coming 40th like you'd expected, it, yeah. Yeah, there'd have been no impact, right? But the fact that I was able to be like, these were my first two EWS races ever. Yeah. And I got like second, third, fourth, sixth, seventh. Like there's something there, you know, mm-hmm. and I've just had an unfortunate injury. So stemming from that, um, I just like hit every team up basically. And um, Trek ended up being the one that I'd signed with, but I needed to prove to them with doctor's notes, surgeon's notes, that I could actually ride a bike like to my full potential again because they were like, we're not going to support you. Like when there's other folk out there, you know, if you're just telling us you're okay. Yeah, you've just a pre-existing condition for want of a better. Exactly. So, yeah, um, Trek was, you know, good enough to let me on and that was a, that was like a, I'd say like a rock solid year. It's nothing fancy, but it was really wasn't bad. I think I finished like 16th overall. So I managed a full season, which yeah. was my goal. Yeah. And um, they were a proper big team at then as well. You know, your big red bike. Big your, corporate you know, team. Yeah, big corporate team. Who were your teammates at that, at that point? I had... I was, the only, I was the only male rider. So I had Katie Winton Katie, yeah. and Casey Brown. And myself. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And that was a really good team dynamic. I really enjoyed that. Like, I just feel like, you know, when you've when there's a male rider there, 
you automatically want to be the best. You want to beat him. There's a lot, there can be friction there, but with those girls, like, they were so focused on themselves and helping each other. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I could also help them in certain certain areas, but they also helped me be more chilled because um, I was by far not the personality on that team. Those yeah. two are like super bubbly, like keep it fun, which which was really, really good. Um, Katie was the, the, the poster mm-hmm. for that team at that time though. Yeah. yeah. She was synonymous with that. Yeah. So that was a really good year, like a solid year. Um, and I remember that being the turning point of where I was like, another little step up in my career where I was like, I'm worth something here now. Like everyone's worth something, whether, you know, the opposing person or whatever agrees or not. Um, And I remember that contract coming to an end and they were willing to resign me, resign me, which was cool, but for the same amount of money. And I was just like, you know, you've signed me for a certain amount of money based off two EWS results. Now I've raced for you for a year. Yeah, that's fair. And produced results and not slacked in any way. Like an increase is what I was after. And I'm pretty sure at that point, that was the most I was getting paid at that point, which was like 20, I want to say $20,000. So it was $20,000, all expenses paid. The reason I'm mentioning salary amounts of stuff is for that progression. Like yeah, yeah. I quite like to talk about, it's not often talk, spoken enough about, I think in the sport, like how much people make, whatever, which is understandable because um, people like to keep to themselves. But I think like as far as progression, you know, like absolutely nothing, smidge here and there. And then it's like, yeah. I got to that point where I was like, nah, I'm going to take a chance and not accept that or not take that offer. Um, I did yeah. a bit of shopping around at that point. And uh, that's when I started the two-year deal with Ibis. So mm-hmm. I signed a two-year contract with Ibis. And that was for $40,000, which was more, significantly yeah. more than what I got offered. So I was like really happy with that. And that's when I started getting my head, I feel like my business head was starting to get screwed on. Um, and those two years were pretty damn good. Yeah, they, well. they looked like good years. I, th- I think when it said Katie was synonymous with that Trek thing, you were pretty the Ibis guy mm. for, 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 for a good while, mm-hmm. like, you know? Yeah, that was, I felt like I was finding consistency. Um, I'd had a year under my belly track and I think that consistency that I got, I was able to apply and apply. I was able to find that like happy medium between not overdoing it on the racetrack and, um, yeah, was with them for two years and I think I finished inside the top 20 overall both years. Are you becoming more calculated at this point a bit more mature then because you're seeing yeah. you, you're seeing ahead that actually you, you, you've got a season to be good now like you've got consistency you know slow smooth and that mm-hmm. you know that kind yeah of thing. has its benefits and um it's negatives and positives the positives are that i'm there every round yeah like for sure the negatives is that maybe i'm not putting all putting all on the line for that one right. yeah, good yeah, result yeah, yeah. But I saw the bigger picture. But it's tough, you know, like nowadays, it's like you got to have the bigger picture, but you got to send it 
every single opportunity, mm-hmm. every single stage. Whereas back then it was like, it's about easing into the day and making it through <laughs> consistently. You know, if you can get, <laughs> if you can get a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, sure. eighth, yeah. that could mean a win at yeah. the end of the day. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. So that's the mentality that I was going for. Um, and it paid off, I think. I had two really good years and... Um, that must have been a good, a, a good weird transition mm-hmm. as well. Actually, I mean, you, I know you said about you know you you, you paid quite a, you, you sold enduro there for just a wee minute ago, and you went, oh. yeah, you know, it was it was um, five six stages, get to ride with your mates, oh. there's no hurry, <laughs> and you like instead of going like you have getting two runs, but that actually must have been a different, you know, it's just a different mentality, like you know, it's just you know you've just touched on it again, it's like the consistency, you can get a second, a third, a fourth, and a second, you, you might win the bloody round, you 100%, know, percent, yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 and they're spread out and, and the way you ride your bike is just going to be so different. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you're not going to be in attack mode all the time. No, it's definitely changed over the years. Um, I just remember it being more relaxed, um, but just more spread out across the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's when, like, once those two years were up, um, I think that's when things changed. So when I started going my own direction. So there was a bit of a confusion on that team with IBIS. I think I asked for a slightly in, a slight increase in salary for the third year. But as far as I know, someone that was on their radar who were getting similar results, I think was asking for a lot cheaper. So as business goes, obviously why would they pay mm-hmm. significantly more for someone that's getting the same when yeah. they can get someone that's cheaper so that that turned out that way which then left me at the point where i was like do i want to pursue another ews team or do i want to go out and do it myself um so i went out and done it myself and i had this vision of like social media was starting to creep in at that point yeah uh, 2019 so I felt like you know I wonder if I piece something together like a CV or whatever and pitch to companies um, and I have a bit more flexibility and choice of what I want to do and make more money at the same time so I kind of went out with that and it was the first time that I did that um, and it was really tough like really stressful i think i spoke to every single bike brand in honestly that's out there just exhausted my options and ended up coming with a really good deal together like with forbidden and um basically built a bike from the ground up really like frame wheels forks all that fox helped and and whatnot which was cool Uh, and that's when i started that you know kind of what i'm doing now Mm -hmm each year I did was my own deal really and uh I remember uh, it was either an Instagram poll mm-hmm. or something and I equated this uh, this is going to sound ridiculous oh. and I think I'm remembering this right when Elon Musk bought Twitter mm-hmm. I know what was it he put out a tweet saying something about should I resign on Twitter or something should I resign as a CEO and he let everybody vote mm-hmm. and the first thing I thought I thought I thought back to a post, I'm sure you did, mm-hmm. when you asked everybody that followed you, should I go racing mm-hmm. or should I become 
Okay. Am I remembering this right? Or do I you mean, not remember? I, I'm not going to say it's 100%, but I'm not going to say I, I, it wouldn't put it past me. I wanted, I think at that point I wanted people's opinions. I wanted to hear. Like, I'm going to say that happened. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I felt like I needed a nudge too from people, really. Yeah. It's a big thing to go and do. Yeah. Um, I forget what it was. It was probably yeah. an Instagram post or something. Uh, and you, you, so. you asked the question. And I remember seeing, uh-huh. I can't remember what the result was, but I remember uh-huh. and I thought, that's interesting. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah, go. Yeah. I remember just being like, I s- not really many people were doing it back then. And uh, yeah, I think I just took it while I could. And it was very stressful the first year. It was so stressful because bearing in mind, every year prior to that, pretty much had a manager almost dealing yeah, with all yeah. that, booking yeah. flights, all that sort of stuff. So it was a big change. Um, and that's when the social media thing started. So I was obviously out of my comfort zone, but I was like, YouTube, I could use that to my to my strengths. And uh, I mean, once I started doing that and I saw the feedback from like people and fans, I was like, this is cool. Like I'm now having a connection with fans that I've never had before. Mm-hmm. And people are leaning on me for like advice, like more content. And I enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed filming. I still enjoy it, like editing and everything. And um, I found as well, like a community, like a good community, like YouTube community is good. Like I, I do love it. And I appreciate every single person that's on there that backs my stuff. And even if you post a negative comment, you're still on there watching my stuff. So thanks. Like, for the ad revenue, you know, like Jamie, Jamie's like that as well. I mean, he, he's got about seven, about eight thousand followers. He's popular in his own thing, and he he yeah. he, he loves that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's such such a it's such a positive thing for him to yeah. to, to hear other voices. Yeah, I I really do enjoy it so much, and uh, I saw it as like a benefit to myself. So I was putting an effort, but I was seeing, um, like the comeback, like the kickback from that, and um. Yeah, the Forbidden Thing was cool. I felt like I did a really good job for that brand. Um, I, I, I would, I mean, I know nothing about it, but I, I, I would agree with that. <laughs> I, I think um, from people I've spoken to that, that have, you know, um, you know, had an association with that bike and, mm. and that bike going around and just comments on, you know, everything from pink bike reviews to thingies, is, 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 is that you, you did a really good job of mm. making that, letting people know that bike existed in the UK. Well, I never knew that bike existed until my dad was like, what about Forbidden? And I was like... I didn't know it existed until you bought one. Yeah. So when I started doing these YouTube videos and I was getting hundreds of thousands of views mm-hmm. and like people, I was, I had tens and tens and tens of people send me photos of like, bought this bike because of you, got the purple one because of you. Yeah. So I used all that as ammo when my contract was coming to an end. Yeah. And no word of a lie, the what I got back was, we can't pay you anything. But like maybe help you get to an event or something, and give you frames. Yikes! That they were paying me twenty thousand, I think, that year, right. and uh, I was just like, I, honestly, I didn't reply to them. I went out and was like, right, well, I'm just going to find another bike frame, like another company, and um, yeah, like didn't reply to them until I got something else, and just replied, and I was like, nah, you're all good. Like, got something else. Cheers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just thought that was like a big slap in the face. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at that point they were starting a race team. So like 
funds go to that. So I'm like, I, I do understand that from that side point, yeah. but it could have been dealt with a little bit better for sure on their end. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you're you're a you're a, I mean, you're not a little flea in the back of a big a, a big thing, you know, a, a big animal. But um, you know, I spoke a little bit about this with Jamie, with Jamie Wallace, Street Pigeon Jamie. Yeah. When people are complaining about filming trails and stuff like that. And actually I, I was like, well, you've got to realise your contribution to this thing. Like people are coming here and spending money in cafes and staying here because, you know, it's not, not your job and that's not why you're doing it. Mm. But but actually, if you took away all the views of every, the millions of views of your videos, then mm. nobody, you know, the, the, there would be people that wouldn't know about the place or come here. Yeah. yeah. So whilst they're forbidden or building a race team, yeah. It's, I, th- I think you're absolutely right mm. to be that candid about it. It's mm. like, to, to however small the contribution was, it's a, it's a contribution. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you know, part of me would be thinking, well, are you building a bit of this race team on the back of, you know, the, the, the visibility that I get? I mean, maybe not monetarily. Mm. You might not have put a million quid worth of mm. sales their way, but sure. the... the, the You've brought. I mean, you made that bike go really fucking fast. I, mm. I remember your first YouTube videos and stuff like that. Yeah. They were so. They were so like. They were like Gonzo shop videos, mm. like whoosh, like just and just. They were really dynamic and mm. really. They were just pure riding videos, obviously. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's that's. I think I think that's probably fair to be a little bit expecting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was just at least something, yeah. you know. Like even if they're like, we'll pay the same. Yeah. Then I probably still would have went somewhere else, but. It was still, um, still a little bit of a shock, but you know, I had a really good year that year, and I felt like I, as I always do, I, you know, do the best job I possibly can and deliver on all deliverables like throughout the contract. So, yeah, that um, that's when I went looking for some something else, and then um, I can't like legally speak too much about norco <laughs> so that's all right. i was with them but yeah. that's honestly all i can say yeah um and then that leads us i guess to where i am now yeah. <laughs> so which which is probably the dream project yeah i think so yeah. uh yeah i haven't really asked many people if like you know if you could would you a lot of people have said online like like almost giving me a bit of slack for a bit, a bit, a bit of kickback for it. But I mean, I'm not the type of person to be like, right, well, if you could be in my shoes, would you do it? Like, I don't <laughs> think that's really fair for me to be like that, but yeah. it is amazing fun. Yeah. And like 2023 has been mad year yeah. for me and we're not even like really a quarter away into yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's been amazing, but it's been so tough at the same time. It comes with the territory, but it's also, it's shaping me into like a certain person, a better person, more switched on, mm-hmm. more business that more of a business head than I ever had before. And um, honestly, there's no stopping me really at that point. Like I'm not going to waver or change. So, yeah. um, so, so you're 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 picking your battles now. From mm-hmm. my point of view of competitive mm-hmm. riding. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we missed out hardline, didn't we? Because people, yeah. have, people, oh, right, yeah. people ask mm. actually to take you back to hardline. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Um, I remember. How do I remember? I remember someone told me, "This is the person you need to get in touch with if you want a spot." And I was yeah. like, well, "How do I do that?" And I somehow got his number. It's Rob Warner. 
So I remember like, I just remember being like, is this me? Like, do I really want to go and do this? Because, you know, coming off of Juro, there's, there's nothing like that for stars. There's nothing around here like that. So I'm absolutely the most unprepared you could possibly be. Um, but I just remember being like, I think it would be a step in my career if I could just go. So I remember texting Rob and I was at dinner and I texted him and I was like, yo, Lewis here. What's the chance you've got a spot for Hardline? And I remember waiting a couple days and he texted me back and he was like, if you want it, you're in. And I just remember a message back and I was like, I'll do it. I'm in. At that point, it was a week and a half to go till the event. <laughs> right, yeah. Had no downhill fork no downhill wheels um so i remember that night getting on the phone to like suspension sponsor wheels and i was like i'm doing hardline can you send out a downhill fork like uh, i had to get the wheel company at the time to build stronger wheels so they built wheels like that for me and uh got the downhill bike built up or it was my enduro bike but with downhill forks on it and I was leaving, the day before I was leaving, the bike just got finished. So I hadn't rode it, nothing, never tested anything out on it. So my first test on the bike was literally the first practice first run, practice run. <laughs> trying all the features. Um, but yeah, I just remember going and being like, you know what, if I don't end up doing anything, yeah, there's no shame in that. Yeah. But if I end up going and having a crack at it, mm-hmm. then that's even better. But if I don't race, then that's okay. I can walk away happy. But I remember getting there and I was in my element. Like I was either second or third to do everything. Yeah. Cause I've always had that mentality of just, you know, I know my capability, but if I run through it in my head prior to doing it and I can visualize myself doing it, then just pull the trigger and go. Yeah. The worst thing I felt like to do was to watch everyone mess up, like people casing. Yeah. People, taking like 10 run-ups yeah fucking a flat yeah <laughs> which was going on as well so <laughs> yeah it was just oh it was it was one of the most like amazing weeks i've ever had in my career like it was it was like fun crazy progression and like a massive sense of relief and weight off my shoulders when i finished yeah and i did i had a huge crash and i broke my back like my lower back like yeah. had some hairline fractures um but and I struggled to walk, but I did my race run. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'd like to go back, but unfortunately, I don't know what goes on. Mm-hmm. But whether it's who you know or whatever. Um, kind of an invitational. It's invitational, of, but like that year I finished 13th. Right. And there's people that either didn't race, like that were there that didn't race because of like either a bike problem or say someone that was 16th or 17th who finished behind me got the invite for the following year. So I was a bit like, how does that work? I'm not saying I'm entitled, but they go on about the top 10 go automatically. Sure. Then there's there's like a reserve list. And I was 13th. Why was 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th automatically in? Yeah. So I had a bit of, bit of trouble understanding that really but i'm also like i got to do it and it was cool i don't need to do it again but yeah. if i could i would love to yeah so you know i i don't know what this year looks like i did text rob a couple of weeks back and i was like is the event uci registered 
thinking it's not. And he was like, I think it is. And I was like, you have for, for what? No idea. I don't know. He says he thinks it is, but I haven't got back to him yet on that. But yeah, he said, I think it's, it's, it's on the UCI calendar. As a, as a downhill race? I think so. Which I don't know what benefit of that. You know, point, the, the urban races, points. the urban event I did yeah. in Chile this year was on the UCI calendar. And that was a Red Bull event. Wasn't it? Red Bull event, yeah. So I'm wondering if they're, I don't yeah, know. I wonder if, they, I mean, now the ESO are, are obviously in charge of the, the, the big couple of disciplines. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're just, that's their thing now. They're living is to have these sort of off-the-wall events and mm-hmm. the UCI to hang on to them as an event organiser. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because likes of, you know, the EWS, obviously, or the, the EDR now, the, mm-hmm. the UCI haven't innovated. No, they've bought they've bought their way into to that obviously. So yeah. maybe that's maybe that sort of hardline mm-hmm. kind of taxco sort of stuff is the, a way of kind of buying into that a wee bit maybe. Yeah, it's definitely it's a little bit confusing. I don't understand it. it goes, mm-hmm. goes straight over my head. Like, yeah. but I'm not sure on that at the moment. Yeah. I have to get back to know. him on that or do my research. But um, that'd, be, that'd be a shame. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, could be cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the so we're right up to date mm, now, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. So you're what? So if you had to, if you had to sell your project now mm. to a TV series, mm-hmm. what's your pitch? What's your elevator pitch? <laughs> like forty stories, like mm. t- two minutes. What are you doing right now? Right now, it's I'm going a bit crazy with everything, but <laughs> I absolutely love it. Like. I just have this, I've never had the opportunity to um, be completely uh, outspoken and like diverse with everything like opinions. You know, I'm not going crazy. I'm not talking bad about bike brands here. Um, But I'm in a position where I can legitimately relate to the public, buy bikes full price and buy really honestly as many as I want, which is bizarre. Like it's crazy to me that I can go and do that. And, you know, ride the bikes, ride them in different locations. Um, Honestly, do something that really no one else is doing, Um, which I've been thinking recently, you know, this is a one-year thing. But looking at it, like, I'll do the same next year if I can. Um, It's still too early to tell what Mm -hmm. the future holds for that. But this year is just... You know, I have a little bit more flexibility to buy what I want, try what I want and really, you know, relate to people. Like when people ask me like um, what works or what maybe is a good way to get into YouTube or and I honestly think like a lot of people like to sit on YouTube and and obviously listen. So I think being relatable is is number one for my thing like. Yes, I might be somewhat fast rider, but there's no interest to talk about how fast I may be or how fast I can reel a corner. I just don't think that's relatable or fun for anyone to really watch. Um, But if I can go through similar experiences and be a bit more of an open book and let people in, like I've let people into my life pretty much, you know, which Mm -hmm. is a big big thing. It's also... um, that's a choice. 
and I choose to let people in. Um, but I feel like that's valued and like appreciated by that audience. Um, obviously has its downfalls and whatnot, but the positives outweigh that massively. Interesting to say that's a choice. Mm. You're you're very pointed when you said that there is 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 like you you get to say that what what's what's exploited and mm-hmm. what's not exploited, and I think you have to have a wee bit of, regardless how it comes across, or you know how a project comes across, or how you personally come across that. That's at least you're having a choice to make those mistakes again. So you could present yourself like you presented yourself when you were seventeen. But at least you're doing it with all that information, and you've I've actually you've actually got a medium to reflect on now, and and like those YouTube comments and you know all the all the sort of feedback, mm. you can do it in real time now. So your lessons your lessons and your heuristics your lessons are learned quickly, and your heuristics change quickly, and your decisions can be mm-hmm. you like done so much quicker these days. Yeah, it's you can choose on a dime now mm, to, mm. to go in a different direction or make a different decision. Yeah, it's definitely been it's again like it's something new and like honestly really unexpected like yeah me and Norco parted ways that's like I said that's all I can say but we parted ways and like now I'm on a completely different journey that I've had to just adapt to um and obviously the the OnlyFans deal has been quite the like the thing that's been the big decision maker Mm -hmm. um so no I haven't went to any other frame brands to ask for support or salary or anything. Um, because if someone does want to support and they approach me, I know that they know what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. Their intentions are good. I don't have to sugarcoat anything. Um, so I felt like the best thing for me was to be like, do what I'm excited about and enjoy. And that's like seizing the opportunity to try different bikes and just spend money too on bikes. Like, which is a cool feeling for me and because I can and um, I do have to give up to OnlyFans. Like they they are an amazing company to work with. Like they're obviously huge, but they do and provide a lot for other people too, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's um it's been cool to be a part of that for mountain biking. Even though it's only in mountain biking in a small way yeah. at the moment. They're in other sports in a huge way. Like it's and I don't really think it's going to go anywhere that's the thing so yeah. if you're unhappy about it you either stay <laughs> unhappy about it yeah. because it's yeah. going to be here to stay really so um yeah it's been it's been really cool and uh it's just been fun like I'm I am in a position now where uh like I said the whole business head thing and I am pushing the YouTube thing more um I'm just trying to rattle off as many videos as I can and experiences and uh, it's paying off, I think. I think it's paying off. Like YouTube's a slow burner, you know, like it it takes graft and it rewards effort, I think. So for me, like, you know, when I was, when I was tied into stuff, um, yes, I was obviously limited to a certain degree on what I could do and say, but like, reflecting on the numbers and stuff because I, I do look at numbers and I think I have to um to also keep me motivated as well um but the numbers like that I'm pulling in this year for all my YouTube stuff is rewarding so I'm like oh this is fun and I'm also seeing a benefit from it mm-hmm. so all the videos I've been doing have been 
going down well consistently and it's important to see the support from people too um so like out of the hundreds and hundreds thousands of comments i get honestly i maybe get a handful of ones that are like not happy but the majority are like they don't look at the helmet and think something they just look at me and think mountain bikes yeah and that's what they're there for like so that's the difference between those that you know don't really care for the sport and just fixate on the helmet yeah, well, I I, I, I take a, a similar view as, as, as you probably do when you're putting your, your deal together because, you know, the position I'm on, I see a lot of riders and people ask me and I'm, people ask me when you announced it and I'm like, I don't know, mm. I don't have all the details, you know. Mm. Um, I actually, uh, I, I looked at it, but I was more interested in it because mm. it was not, it might as well have been, you know, for me and I'm not denigrating anybody else's opinion on what they think anything mm. is and I don't necessarily care i mean everybody has a cross to bear and they can like you say they can look or not look or sure. they can type their opinion or, or think their opinion but uh, it might as well have been findas or super noodles to me you know it, it, an outside like a, a so far away from what we would know mm-hmm. as everything you've mentioned last bmc uh-huh. trek chain reaction because it's just so not them as might as well be fish fingers yeah yeah you know and <laughs> and how actually whether it's the, whether it's that company or not how a sport like ours where you're saying they paid me five grand mm. for a year's work and they mm. gave me a t-shirt and then yeah. you know and then you're you're you know the, the, only the very top guys with the, the with the high media presence and from the right country mm. or the right come from the right discipline or with the right sort of commentary or you know mm-hmm. toe in the line mm-hmm. are only the ones that are going to get the the livable the wage yeah you know? so mm. it's got to come from somewhere mm. So did did you um did you go out did you go outside that that ecosystem that mountain bike ecosystem before that before that deal was was that was that kind of a plan? I always wanted to try and get a company that has nothing to do with the sport, like involved with myself. And my me and my dad have spoke about it for ages. It's like, but this is the thing that. You know, people go on about OnlyFans, but we could, what I'm about to mention, we could dive deep into that and how that's bad for, for bad under, in, in some people's opinions. So, like, you know, we're in talks with whiskey companies, alcohol yeah. companies. Yeah. Like, I'd, I'd, looking back at it now, like, we'd rather do what I'm doing now than ride for Buchanan whiskey or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's always been on my radar because I know there's the scope out there and also different audience like wider audience um more corporate company like there's money to throw around there and if they're like passionate and supportive of sports already then why can't i like get in there and you know make them aware of mountain biking so they approached me like a couple years back i remember but i didn't even reply at that point i was in a different position sort of but i think what i want to get clear and what a lot of people don't kind of blame them because they have not said this and they don't know the ins and outs. But regardless of this OnlyFans deal, like, so say like last year, I still make a living from mountain biking. Mm -hmm. This deal is not a last minute scratch, like scraping for money. So, you know, there's that whole quick sellout, like call me a quick sellout. Like 
I am a money like person. Like I want to make money and you know, if I can make more, I will. Um, so regardless of this deal, I'd still be able to make a living from mountain biking comfortably. So this deal was just like extra on top of that really. But I see a lot and I don't respond to the comments, but it's always like, you know, is this really, is this all worth it for Lewis? And I find that funny, like reading that they're so concerned about like, is it worth it for me? Whereas some people should just kind of worry about themselves and, you know, focus, stay in their lane, do what they're good at. Um, I maybe did reply to one person when I was like, they said, you should really get rid of that contract, scrap them off and forget about the deal and go back to what you were on before. And I got a reply and I was like, just so you know, there's absolutely no way I'm doing that. Like I'm sticking with what I've got and sticking by my guns. Um, and the fact also that that deal monetary wise outweighs like whatever I made last year, like it doubles it. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't like to say that from a, you know, it's not coming from a boasting standpoint. It's just like, and it's not even justifying, but it's like, it's not small money. And if it can, you know, if anyone's able to make money that makes a difference to their life, life lifestyle and what they love doing and they can do more of it absolutely more like more power to them so that's the position that i'm in and uh like i love it and they are super supportive so yeah there's no like obviously hiding that i lost some sponsors because of the deal or whatever um but like only fans have backed me and supported me because of that and um it's been wicked. So yeah, it's a controversial thing. And like I said, it's, I don't expect it to be plain sailing, obviously. Um, it's, in, it's interesting you say, uh, again, this is information that people, people don't know when they comment is that, mm. that you didn't, you didn't need to do it financially, no. but it, it serviced a, an opportunity for you to bring more of the stuff that's actually making you a living, which is making content that people like mm -hmm. that reciprocally brings those views in because yeah. they like you to do it and allows mm -hmm. you to do more. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I don't, you know, I, I, I honestly don't have an opinion on it really. I mean, it's uh, fascinating to hear that, that, that these, these rationales and, um, I, you know, I often think what that guy would do if, if it was something similar. Mm, yeah. You know, I'm not sure people's, people's supposed virtue with some things mm would necessarily manifest the way that they display it when it's of no consequence to them, mm. you know? And that's not me in support of you or in support of him. It just, it's just, it, you know, I, I don't think that would play out quite as simple if it was, you know, I mean, some people are 10 people up and some people are very stuck in their ways though. Like, you know, it's, it, it's been the way I look at it is like, if I was, if it was someone else and genuinely, honestly, like I've spoken with my parents about it and we went through all the scenarios, like, you know, how, how will this turn out? Like it was a nerve wracking day, like putting the pressure. I'll release bet it was, yeah, I can imagine. And, uh, you know, we were like, what if another writer, if I was like sitting and saw that press release, honestly, I'd be like fair play. Like we'll see how it turns out, but if it's benefiting him, I can't argue against that. I'm not going to say he's wrong, it's wrong, but that's my opinion. 
Um, but yeah, that was a, it was a nerve wracking day on so many levels um, and a lot to deal with. But like I said, comes with the territory. It's calmed down now. Um, but it's it's like still causing a stir, like in different ways, right? With the UCI and UCI, stuff. I saw that, yeah. But it was just the first initial response, right? Like I get it. It's fresh. It's new. There's no real context. And I haven't really spoken much about it. I've spoken a little bit about it, but I've not really been able to say what it's doing for me or like, you know, as an individual, um, how it's improving like my life and like I'm just doing what I love. Um, and I'm buying bikes. Like I've spent probably over 30 grand in the last two months. <laughs> and like, that's so cool to me like to be able to yeah. do that yeah. like i'm excited to get bikes and um yeah it's like it's just something completely different so i'm going with it really at this stage and uh who knows what next year holds so um, that's a year is it it's a year yeah. contract but you know we'll start negotiations i don't know i'd assume like midsummer and i don't see any reason why we wouldn't continue um, and I would like to at the end of the day. Um, so, I mean, uh, it's an old phrase like, you know, uh, some people's opinions are tomorrow's chip paper, you know, mm-hmm. you know, something's in the paper one day and it's got chips all over it the next, mm-hmm. you know, um, are you, are you finding that now? It's all kind of tailing off and you're, um, you I mean, I, I would imagine just by the way that people, if people like content, some some will just go, all right, fuck it, well, that's that's it. Some will go, I don't really like it, but I'll put it up with it because I like what he's doing. And some which are obviously a, a very small minority. And this doesn't just go for what you're going through. It's, it's that 80-20 rule, isn't it? I mean, 20% of people probably give a shit. And then within that, 20% of them will give a shit enough to have an opinion. And within mm-hmm. that, you know, 20% of them will yeah. throw the toys out the pram. Um, you know, for this and for 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 other things. So, have, have you, from a point of view of creating the stuff that people love that you do, mm-hmm. and you get in the 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 necessary traction mm-hmm. to 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 make that living underneath the, the addition of the OnlyFans thing? Is that is that been affected in the sort of short term? So, what are we like four months, three four months? Yeah, yeah. It's still, it's, it's going okay. I would say it's it's definitely mellowed out, yeah. like. I think to the point where, like, if you're not going to... If you don't accept as a... You don't really have an option. Like, if someone doesn't like what I do, then that's fine. But I ain't changing anything. So if you don't want to watch my stuff, that's fine. I've had a lot of people that, oh, I'm I'm, on, I'm unsubscribing from your YouTube. Like, okay. But my content is the same, if not better, and more frequent uploads. Still mountain biking. Mm-hmm. I don't even... I'm pretty sure, apart from, like, the UCI video that I did and the, like, uh, press release video I did, I mentioned OnlyFans, but in any of my riding videos or build videos, it doesn't even get mentioned. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just someone that I have on board that supports me. So it's it's definitely chilled out more. And like I said, the amount of people that support me is cool. I still see people out on the trails, like, like dad, son, mum, son, like they just look at me as Luce Buchanan, the rides mountain bikes that so, they see on the YouTube screen. Yeah. Nobody's crossing the street then when they're walking towards you. <laughs> nah, like, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, I probably get stared at a lot more. Right. Like if I wear this hoodie, it's funny walking down the street. Right. Like 
I was in B&Q earlier with the socks on and I could tell that these two <laughs> girls were like, what am I seeing? Is he, is he a porn star? And I was just like, you know. It's funny, that's the first You don't see that. that. Yeah. Like, you, I, I don't see anyone walking around with an OF thing mm-hmm. or an OF, OnlyFans pairs of socks. So it's fresh for people. Um, but I kind of like it. Like, it's, it's more attention, more eyeballs. It's certainly doing the job. Yeah, it's if visibility is is the job, right? Because mm. visibility is is reach and reaches. That's your job, right? That's where everything comes from. Well, like a prime example is like you know the majority of what I do now, I don't really have many sponsors. So the ones that come on board or like get in touch with me, like Bell recently, we did a deal, and like they've been amazing, and they're. Helmet is the center of attention. Their logos are all over it. And like, they're embracing that, like the attention. And they know what they're supporting and backing. So you so you know that then, <coughs> just as a point of reference, you know that Bell are embracing that and you as an, an athlete, right? They're not holding yeah. their nose and going, this guy's got a million views, so we'll give him a couple of helmets. Nah, they, I didn't have a helmet sponsor to start with for the year anyway. Um, you realise why I asked that though, because because now, yeah. just because of all the shenanigans, you're you're definitely an exploit exploitable asset now. For sure, yeah. No, I've definitely, I've not met the the woman at Bell yet, but Hannah's like, she's been so nice, and you know I'm not having to instigate any conversation. She'll send me like, probably got one of the nicest messages I've ever received, and you know she's speaking on behalf of like the people at the company and like they understand that they're athletes and like if their athlete can make you know a good amount of income and stuff and still do what they love and like then they'll support that for sure and they're not going to look at it in any discriminatory way or like so for me like that's that's really all i'm after is like people to be well that's what you're looking for yeah i guess yeah is an, an an objective Sort of number, almost like a numbers game, mm. like a yeah, a, a, a quid pro quo. If I do for you, you do for me. And yeah, it's definitely been it's been chill, and Good. I feel like I've mellowed out a little bit more. The first month to two months was tough. I didn't want to leave my house, bad as that sounds, but it's like, you know, yeah, it's been it. It's made me, I've learned a lot about people and how they act and how they react, even people in the industry. Um, I think it's like super lame how they they let it um, be such a like big thing in their lives. If I had not signed this deal with OnlyFans and announced it, these people are so outspoken about the negative side, apparently the negative part of that company, they would never address it. But they're so uh, opinionated and so strongly pushing it because I have decided to sign with them and made it, you know, a thing in the industry. Um, But if it's really that big a deal to you, wouldn't you just be passionate and speak about it? But no, it takes me to, for them to go up against. Um, So my, you know, who I'm aware of now has got like that. Yeah, sure. Um, and I just have to have like a well small friend group now. Yeah, I think um, so. I, I first thanks for opening up about because I know I know you haven't talked about it at any, at any length because I've been looking and I, and I, you know I, I, 
I, I told you I didn't want to ambush you with this. Yeah. I, I really want to talk about like the length of the, the time that that um, that we'd known each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but um, so, so I appreciate that, and and I, and I don't have, I still don't have an opinion because it's not, it's not part, of, it's not part, part of my, my mm. purview. It's just not on my radar, mm. it, although it interests me. But I will, what I will give you is my uh, my opinion on this, is mm. because you said about not wanting to leave the house, mm. and this is me actually just now going. I, I feel like I want to say this is mm. some of the commentary online and some of the outlets that allowed that commentary mm. to continue was tantamount to mm. online bullying and i'm not going to mention anybody because i don't want to uh, but yeah actually it would be easier to mention the outlets that didn't do it mm. because they're in the single digits mm. the inference the, the inference of of just like well you've seen all the things you've seen all the photoshops you've mm-hmm. seen all that th- and it just I, I remember sitting with, with jen and going mm. have you seen this mm. And, you know, she was of the same mind. I'm, I'm like, this, whatever anybody thinks this guy's doing, to, 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 I think this is like 10 times worse. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Ne- that, that's never going to go away. That's online. That's yeah, never going to go away. thousand percent. And, you know, and I saw people that I know in industry mm-hmm. and personally yeah. liking oh, yeah. and stuff. And, I'm, and I know, to be honest with you, I know people just hit buttons when they think something's funny. Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. But a little part of me... And again, this is not taking sides at all because I genuinely don't have an opinion. I'm yeah. not. I'm, I'm. I'm not piling on to uh, you, and I'm not with you either. I'm uh, just. I just that part of it. Uh, really, just I. I. I, I thought uh, that, that's just that's not on. Yeah, it's it's if you're talking about setting an example and being, you know, just setting an setting an example. It's, it's the complete wrong way to go about yeah, it. If, Everybody again, objectively, if everybody's going to pile onto you mm. and you make the so make you the sole arbiter. So mm. Lewis Buchanan is mm. the sole arbiter of mm. responsibility mm. for appropriate product mm. placement mm. for people that want to go to a site voluntarily. Mm. Then they've got to, they've got to toe some of that line. Oh no, hundred percent. When yeah. you get photoshops of fucking Ron Jeremy and and, yeah. and talking about other athlete, female athletes yeah. in the same yeah. thing, mm. it's, it's, it just. I, I don't oh, care yeah. if it's Instagram or whatever, it, or, or or you know mm-hmm. other sites. I I, I <clears throat> that that yeah. should have been stopped. Yeah, I think so too. But I mean, I'm smart enough, and uh, it's so easy for me to clock on to like who's a supporter, or you know, I don't need people to support me. But sure. when stuff's going on like that, uh, <clears throat> they probably think I don't know, mm-hmm. and think I'm cool with them. But I'm really not. I don't have a single moment of time for them. And I am just a big, big person that's like, I just don't stand for that. Like, I just don't think that's, I just don't think that's cool. Like, and I don't really know what they're gaining from that other than a bit of attention. And I think some people need that attention, like, because they don't have that. So <clears throat> people want to be seen as being funny and, and doing something this different, um, but yeah, I don't, it's, it's truthfully like being completely honest. I don't really see any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I saw one thing and I was like, my reaction to it was like, like whatever, honestly, years ago, I made it, maybe we'd have been super upset, caused a fuss, like hunted the person down. But now I'm like, you, you ain't, it's just not going to affect me. Like, it, it's bad, but it's not going to affect me. Yeah. I'm not going to lose any deals. I'm not going to, you know, you're, 
drawing a willy on, on my helmet. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's pretty immature, <laughs> really. Like, I yeah. think it's, you know, and it's enough for you to spend your time photoshopping a post, editing it up. Like, come on, yeah. you know? So if people want to keep talking about it, they can. Um, but it's it's it has chilled out way more. Yeah, and good. I know I'm out riding my bike and I don't feel anything. I feel, honestly just support or just people are just being genuinely nice yeah um those people are those people are always going to be people you see in real life mm. as well that's the thing yeah uh, i mean Nobody, always, nobody's running across the road with the pitchfork oh no you know it's not, it's not uh, they would be stupid to i think you know that's the yeah. thing uh but it's been chilled and also i think like the more sports that are getting supported by only fans kind of helps it a little bit and i also think recently like or a while back when pink bike came out with that like poll about they asked like the professional riders what they make and it kind of came out at a good timing because you know some of them are making less than five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars and it's like you know people moan and shout about oh we need outside sponsors in the sport and one comes in and supports one athlete and there's a huge fuss so I think people need to really like think carefully about you know what they're saying regarding that and yeah i i think um it, it would be again sitting on the fence it would it would be good for people to think <coughs> perhaps consider that when you signed that deal you knew you weren't going to ride off into the sunset and everybody nobody was going to go oh that's great mm. wonderful lewis thank you you know just and go about their business yeah. there was no way you were getting away with that no no no, no. in any way no and and to be honest you know if you just if you sit here and go I, I, to me and say, oh, I had really no idea this would happen, I'd be like, you're fucking, you know, pull well, the other one. Like. That's what <laughs> some people said to me. Did you really think this wouldn't happen? I'm like, did I say I didn't I, think no, it would of happen? Of course I thought this would happen. Like, <laughs> I knew it would happen. I mean, yeah. it's, everyone has an opinion yeah. and uh, it's been like mixed, but <clears throat> it's, uh, I feel like I've got like good group of people around me now and like more good. people do yeah, understand i think the bigger the sports that are bigger than mountain biking that are getting supported by them like MotoGP, yeah, the MotoGP and um supercross yeah like <clears throat> so you know the uci they're like i had a call with only fans the other day and they were like yeah we're in MotoGP now and we're speaking to a few teams <clears throat> and they were like if the uci is not gonna allow, uh, gonna allow it like they're so far behind yeah. and they really are so far behind um I think what the sport's doing at the moment is good. I think it's a good, like, it's cool to see change with the UCI over the World Cup and stuff. Sure. But, you know, you're still, there's still guys out there that are, like, you know, literally earning no money. Yeah. And selfishly, I'm just not going to put myself in that position. Mm -hmm. Like, if I can seek stuff from elsewhere, I will. Yeah. Um, Cool. So yes. Well, yeah, you're, you're so you're in a good place with it mentally. Aye. Good place with it in the project, Aye. which is which is what you want, what you need. Yeah. Moving forward, mm. which is great. Yeah, for sure. Well, I I, I appreciate you opening up. My, we, I mean, we got there. We didn't. We, we we didn't intend to get there, but that's that's good. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's a positive note to end it on. To mm. be honest with you, that's that's nearly two hours, and it's, it's flown been, by. Yeah, it's been pretty much unbroken. <laughs> so. So from the very start, sitting in my front room, here, here we are again. Mm. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's 
yeah, it's it's been really good for you to come round and, and 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 sit down. Man. I really appreciate it. I know you're busy and you're you're way too famous to be sitting in my front room. Absolutely not famous <laughs> at all. I say that all the time. Infamous, mate. You you took me up wrong. <laughs> like when people, there was a kid that uh, went to that new place up uh, in Aberdeen, Tarland. And, oh yeah, uh, you, yeah. Sorry, only got it's fun. That super yeah. fun that place. And uh, this kid was like kind of hounding me like for a while, and one of the guys I was with was like, yeah, this kid really wants to ride with you, but he's too scared to ask you because you're too big and like this big public figure. And I was like, honestly, turned around and I should have watched my language, but I was like, I said something like, what are you doing being shy? I'm just a fucking normal human. <laughs> like not an aggressive way, but yeah, I was yeah. like, write me, just ask me whatever you want. Like, let's, let's do a run together yeah. or whatever. And uh, I'm just trying, like a lot of people see me on like a, a phone or a laptop yeah. and they don't have that connection so when they see me in real life they're like oh, like yeah. I have the opportunity to speak to him now yeah. and I just want to be as like relatable and approachable as possible yeah. like I'll ride with anyone just yeah. don't be a knobhead to me yeah. like and I'll ride with you so um there you have it yeah that's him selling himself there you go yeah. see him on the trails tapping the shoulder hell yeah 100% getting the train alright okay Thanks, Liz. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Cheers Appreciate buddy. it. All right. You made it to the end of episode four of my podcast with Lewis Buchanan. Now for the post-podcast ramble. If you enjoyed that and you want to hear more stuff like that, you can help me by going across to Spotify or iTunes and like and subscribing and following the podcast. You can also go on Instagram at Ravens Outdoor and get updates uh, that way. Or you can go to ravensoutdoor.co.uk where you can find out a little bit more about me and what I do. All right, thanks for listening. See you next time.